Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, welcome back, Solar Warrior. I am honored to have you joining me yet again for another foray into the world of clean and solar-powered energy. Merry Christmas and happy almost new year to all of you who are listening during the holiday season. I hope that you are enjoying your break and many of you I know are getting settled back into the routine of work after taking some time off. So I appreciate and I'm honored that you have taken some time to plug us back into your ears. Well, I don't always release a long form episode on Tuesdays, but I'm taking a shot that as we're nearing the end of the year, you have a little more time on your hands. If you're new here, I hope you'll get a ton of value from this episode, and I really appreciate you giving us a chance to earn your attention. Ryan Simpson is the head of marketing for Trina Solar North America. He and I have been fellow sales and marketing colleagues and solar warriors in the hardware side of the PV industry now for going on two decades. And every time we get together, there are always tons of funny stories that crop up. I love hearing how he parlayed his experience working for McDonald's into a marketing role at Kyocera, for example. He's one of the funniest and savviest marketers I know in the industry, so I'm honored to finally get to share some of these stories right here with you today. Ryan brings old school tactics for new school tech, and it's a very fun conversation. I wanna thank you as well for being a part of our tribe here on Suncast. You know, it's been a wonderful journey and a marvelous year, despite all the many, many setbacks we've all encountered. We have laughed and cried together this year, and I'm feeling incredibly, incredibly grateful for your friendship and the momentum that we've achieved together. You are the reason that I keep showing up each week, and you're the reason that this show has more than 330 interviews and 300,000 downloads and growing. I look forward to another year serving you and more fun stories to share together. For now, let's get ready to tune up your skill, Solar Warrior, as we tune in to another powerful and often entertaining conversation here on Suncast. All right, Solar Warriors, today we're going to go into the world of messaging, marketing, and image, brand exposure with one of the folks that I've long admired in the industry and have been friends with for a long time. I've got 15 years in the industry, as you know, and the fellow that I'm going to bring into the conversation here in just a minute has been trudging along right beside me for that long or longer, helping give visibility to the major brands in our industry that you will recognize. My friend Ryan Simpson currently holds the position of head of product management and marketing at my alumni, Trina Solar North America. And I know a lot of his work from Kyocera, Power One, now ABB, Renasola, and Genlong. And I'd love to hear from you all where you first ran in to Ryan because he's one of the beloved marketers in our industry. But a decade plus of experience has given him a ton of knowledge about how to launch new products into this industry. And he's got some fun stories along the way about a lot of the things that, like spaghetti, you throw on the wall and see what sticks. With that, Ryan, welcome to Suncast, my friend. Thanks, Nico. I really appreciate it. It's an honor to be a part of this. And, and you know, thank you for the kind words. Really appreciate your, your warmth and your friendship and uh, professionalism. So it's been a lot of fun through the, through the years. We've had uh, some incredible experiences, especially internationally, if you remember. For sure I do. For sure I do. And it seems like where we, like many others, uh, have spent a lot of time getting to know each other is at trade shows. I always run into you at the Genlong or the ABB booth. I mean, I remember spending long tranches of time just hanging out and chatting at the ABB or then Power One booth at one of the SPIs, who knows, over 15 years of being friends. And by the way, before I forget, shout out to your former boss and mine, Rob Moon, 
who uh, who has been our sort of country director at both of our various entrees into the manufacturing world of solar. I think it's a really fun story. We'll probably get into it. But I told Rod that I was interviewing you and he's really eager to hear this interview. Uh, he probably knows a whole lot of the stories that we can't publish right now. <laughs> but let's let's talk about one of the stories that I think we can bring to light. And it speaks to this element of what I was referring to earlier, looking outside of our industry and adopting the marketing strategies that are working and allowing our industry to benefit from using these marketing tactics. So you had a career before you got into solar. And a lot of the way I typically will start an interview is like, what was the germ of an idea that sort of infected you with this bug we call clean energy? But yours is a slightly different path. You've been a marketer. You've been head of national sales. You have flown all over the world working on you know, paper products and, and, and the like. I'm curious to hear the story of how an account, namely McDonald's, and your work helping them to think more about how to at least appear renewable and uh, recyclable, as it were, landed you a job at Kyocera. Before I got to Kyocera, which was me cutting my teeth in the industry, I worked for a company that was the second largest producer of cups and containers in, in North America, of which one of our main accounts was McDonald's, among others. And I was, I was a project manager, uh, program manager for that actual account. And one of the things that was difficult was looking at the recyclability because most of the time they used a, a paper product. And a lot of people don't know this, but, you know, a paper cup from McDonald's is actually got a gluing process in, in place and it doesn't allow you to, to recycle. They do a great job at showing like the raw McDonald guy going and throwing something in the trash, right? You know, on their little, little logo or whatever, but they, they don't really promote a recyclability type of aspect. And so even their, their coffee cups were basically styrofoam cups with a paper wrapped types of cover on it. And so it made you feel, again, the 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 psychological thinking oh well this is paper paper is recyclable you know and everything else but ultimately they weren't nothing they made was recyclable <laughs> and so i i presented a program where i was like look we've got a plastics plant it was in in Mooresville, North Carolina, might be kind of close to where you're you're at nowadays. We said, look, we can make a cup based upon polypropylene. And this is kind of a back then, this is a new kind of plastic. And what it was is it, it was a almost indestructible plastic. You know how some plastic just kind of crumbles like like uh, you know in your hand. But this you could you squish and everything and it would go right back to form. It was also very recyclable. And so, you know, I said, look, we could really position McDonald's as you're in this way before, you know, you're talking about 20 years ago, this way before really corporations got into the whole, hey, you know, let's look at the carbon footprint. What are we doing to save the environment? You know, and all that other stuff. Now you see commercials today for Amazon and, and you know, what they're going offset in the next 10 years and everything else that wasn't even a thought in a big <laughs> brand like mcdonald's they're yeah. like yeah whatever uh you know that that doesn't push the you know the stock price for us but now you know nowadays it does and so i i you know I, at the time, you have to work with McDonald's. There's a company called Javi. They're out of Illinois. They're the main procurement for all of McDonald's. And so I, I presented it to, to the main management there. I said, look, this is where the future is going. You need to look at, you know, the ability to, to show that you're, you're more than just a consumer of product, that you're actually a, a steward to the, the whole process, right? And so... We showed that how we could make colorization on the cups and do all sorts of graphics and we even apply the Monopoly game, which was very popular at the time where you, you take the little sticker off, see if you won, you know, whatever you've won. And so that was part of the the presentation and that and they they started to slowly adopt it in regions. And now it's like you go to McDonald's, you'll see that you'll see a, a PP on the bottom of a very plastic cup, that's polypropylene, and that was uh, our idea. But the company I was working for, like any other company, was going through its ins and outs of finances and everything else and going through layoffs. So I was like, look, you know, I positioned, and I wrote a huge white paper over it in marketing and everything else. And I said, you know, there's something to be said about this. And so 
you know, at the time, back in like 2006, 2007, when I was trying to get into the solar industry, it was still like the old guard, you know, like Kyocera before that was Golden Genesis. And, you know, there was Shell and Arco and all sorts of companies that were really kind of the, the founding fathers of, of the industry. I had no experience in, in PV. And so to cut into, you know, and being with a major manufacturer was a hard deal if you had no experience, you know, unless you like were the son of someone or, or whatever, right? But my first interview, which was a tough one, and you, you'll know the name Tom Dyer. He passed away a few years ago, you know, and then he was very staunch and, and, you know, the old guard and asked me a bunch of questions that, you know, I felt like I failed miserably after that interview. But that that's kind of what got, you know, I got past that and, and went through a few other Rob Moon and other interviews and everything. And, and they all asked me, well, you have no experience whatsoever. What the hell are you going to do to help us here? I said, look, it's not about, you know, knowing PV. I can learn PV. Give me six months. I'm a quick study. I'll learn it. Right. You know, and this is what I can bring into the industry. We have to position things for customers. And that time residential was real big. Utility was nothing. Right. It was all about residential. And so positioning a consumer, like saying, look, this product is more than just something that gives you power. It's something that helps the environment and showing all the different metrics of, you know, carbon, you know, offsetting and everything else. Cause that was still pretty new, you know, in, in this, in the industry back in the mid two thousands, they weren't thinking about that. They weren't looking at that. And so I said, if I can sell a styrofoam paper, a styrofoam or paper cup saying that it's recyclable now, you know, I can bring in the marketing and, and the know-how to show how position our product is, is something you need to look at as a consumer, because at the time, Consumers were very weary of, of solar modules. They were fearful that they're catching on fire. Their house is going to burn down. You know, like there's all these little scare tactics. And you for know? context, net energy metering wasn't really a thing nationwide. We're talking right. like at least half the market was still off grid. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that was what QSR was famous for was designing all the off grid systems and, and, you know, doing these, you know, projects in, in other countries to help with water, you know, pumping and things like that. And so it was like, it was still a little novel idea of, well, residential was just cutting in. There was only a couple distributors, you know, there were traditional PV ones. Did I miss how you got the interview? Well, it, it was is a funny story. It was advertised, and, and again, this was before any kind of real websites or anything like that. It was advertised in the paper. The what? The Arizona Republic. Okay? I was going to say, like the Herald, the Arizona, the the Phoenix yeah. Herald. Yeah, the <laughs> the Arizona Republic. You know, like you, you used wow. to see little job ads, job opportunities, because the internet wasn't like as prevalent as is. Who today. posted the job ad? I'm curious. Well, it was the HR manager at the time. Okay, right? okay. Somebody but that it, worked it, for Rob. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and so um, it literally, like, I answered it. I, no, the way I answered it is I literally did the cover letter in my resume, a really nice paper. You know, this is like, you know, and, and I went to, like, actual QSAIR office, and I dropped off with the front desk person. No way. And I said, this is for, and they said who the hiring manager was, you know. I said, this is for this hiring manager. And I, I totally did it that way as opposed to just sending it and it goes in some pile. I said, yeah, this needs to be given to this person. He's been, he's been waiting for it all day. Yeah. That's you know, amazing. I said something like You're that. You're such you a know? good marketer. I love it, man. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, you mentioned Kyocera was a pioneer, not only in the United States, but globally. And in particular, one of my markets of expertise, Latin America in off grid at the time that you got to Kyocera, where was Kyocera positioned globally? Like what were the products they sold into the industry and how were they trying to sell them from a marketing perspective? Yeah, you know, back then it was a different story, you know, as far as the top 10 players and modules. It was it was predominantly Japanese. You had your Sharp, Sanyo, Panasonic, you know, Kyocera and things like that. And so there were no Chinese manufacturers. There was still the advent of the Germans, you know, uh, certain German manufacturers. The Japanese were the top ones. You know, the positioning at that time was was really to sell to uh, off-grid you look at Amoresco. Amoresco became this giant, you know, kind of company at the time that uh, Kyocera helped to get into the off-grid uh, types of, uh, of uh, systems and that. And then the rest of it was through true PV distribution. You had the old DC power systems and and Sunwise and and you know all those before they became what they are today. And it was really to sell to predominantly residential there was a little bit of cni and you know like virtually no utility because there were no rps at the time there were no reasons for utility in that 
Well, in those early days, given that Kyocera was predominantly focused on off-grid modules and you had no experience in PV, I'm really curious, what was your on-ramp and what were some of the early marketing tactics that you employed? Hey, how did you educate yourself? How's that potentially different from today? And then after that, where did you start to dig your heels in and go, wait, we can do this differently? And, And what were some of the ideas that you brought to bear? Yeah, so that, that's a great idea. At the time, you know, it was, you know, obviously you, you sit in enough meetings and that, but one of the things they did was they brought in, and it's still a, a very prominent part of our industry is the Solar International SEI, right, uh, out of Colorado. And they brought them in for three days, three or four days, to teach us how you size systems, how you design them for off-grid and everything, you using batteries. So there were a lot of folks like you that didn't know anything about PV? No. <laughs> I was, I was one of the the few. Honestly, you know, I entered Kyocera. I mean, it was like it was it was a gauntlet. And Rob, Rob, or anyone would tell you from that time period, it was a gauntlet of people that just had vast amounts of of experience. You know, ten years of that time, but it was mostly all in off grid, right? And and so there was very little grid type type of experience. And so it was really for the people that had not had that much experience really in the design side and things like that. And that me being a marketing, or I actually call myself a marketeer because I'm like, that's kind of like my function is like to be a little bit edgy on the tech side and the business side and understand how to position things. What does that so, mean, marketeer? I always said, you know, it's like I, I'm dangerous enough to know uh, enough about the technical side of, you know, to teach it and, and to educate. Right. Yeah. But I'm never I'm not an engineer by trade. You yeah. Know? Don't ask but, me to explain the PN junction, but I can <laughs> tell somebody who knows nothing about it. I can, I can draw you the greatest IV curve and tell you where what I and V mean and where the sweet spot is. And I can, you know, I can do 101 and 102 education on that. But you get me, you know, into the a lot of the deep dive technical parts of it marketeer like engineer got it okay yeah, yeah. so i that's a little my coin thing man, i love I, that man we gotta make it we gotta make a t-shirt marketeer <laughs> hey so so look early days you're jumping in sei's training you you're bringing in all these great ideas what were some of the fun early ways that you made an immediate impact at kiosara or maybe not so immediate like how'd you spend their money <laughs> wisely? well i uh, i i, I, you know, I, lo- I love spending money so it, it's uh one of the things that uh, i got challenged with and it, it was actually a legacy product it was called mygen and Rob Moon came to me and he said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm thinking we need to kind of dust this one off. It's, it was from, you know, years ago and we can make, you know, we can make our entry into the residential kitted solution. And so, you kids know, were kids, all the rage. Kids were the rage. You know, it's kind of like boy bands back in the 90s. You know, this was the... <laughs> This was the, the rage for the 2000s were kits for PV, right? And so I just was like, okay. And so I had to, I had to like really kind of think hard here, like, because there were a lot of just grandfathered ideas. Oh, we should just use SMA. We should just use this and this module and just kit it and, and put it together as a bundle, right? But I was thinking like, do we really want to just do a bundle like we did before? Because that obviously died at the vine over some time. Or should we look at how do we educate a new blood of, of installers out there that have never done PV? And so my, my thought was, and because Rob was like very like, hey, you got to get this done in two months. And I was like, Rob, I can get it done in two months and it'll be just as as good or bad as the last product we had, or you give me six months to a year and I'll get you something that is, is first class and we'll deliver it and, and everyone will follow us. We'll be a leader as opposed to being a follower. And so he was kind of hamming high about that. And I was like, well, you know, this is the way it goes. And I think, you know, if you brought me in for my ingenuity and, you know, my good looks and things like that. Right. So let me show you how I'm going to market this product correctly. So what I did was I went after the and this was very infant in the time is looking at and, and nowadays people would be like well duh yeah of course but electrical you know contractors electrical distributors and this is pre ced you know coming up right like way pre ced before uh, what's his name had, had really kind of thought of, of doing it Christian. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Christian and Stevens. so, that's and like, right. and by the way, like Beacon wasn't into uh, solar at all. Like none of the things that we all take for granted. You were lucky, you kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, there was, yeah. by the way, like for, for context, folks, there wasn't an Aurora or a Helioscope. There was barely Andy Black's on-grid tool. Like sizing and design was done at best in TurboCAD and lots of other small, simple ways, right? So, 
just want to make sure people are understanding the framing of this. So instead of you going to SMA or Fronius, which is kind of like the, the Pepsi and Coke, the Mercedes of the industry, you came, you took a different approach. I did. I went to a company called PV Powered. They're out of Bend, Oregon. They got bought by Advanced Energy and, and eventually Advanced Energy went out you know, of the PV business. But anyway, they were coming off a year of like 20% failures. And so they were trying to like right the ship and everything else. I said, look, you know, sometimes you have to take a, a, a leap of faith on a company, especially if they've got good technology, they've learned from it and, and you're able to like go in a direction with them because SMA and Fronius at the time were the leaders of the pack and they weren't going to touch me unless I committed, you know, a thousand inverters a month or 500 inverters a month or something crazy, some crazy number. And so I needed a company to take a leap of faith with me, at least on the inverse side to say, let's grow together. Let's try this, this concept together in order to put kits together. Right. Because I, at the time we had no, real market other than our current market of distributors. And what I was trying to do is tap into the alternative market with roofing and, and electrical and everything else. They today is very standardized, right? And again, looking at the design tools, it was honestly, it was very archaic. It was looking at it, believe it or not, Google Earth was was just launched. That's right. They had a little sizing uh, thing where you could go from point A to point B and say, oh, that's that many meters or that many feet or whatever. And I taught these classes to all the installers. I taught thousands and thousands of installers. This is how you do it. This is how you size it today. And, you know, you look at the footprint. And then what I did was I created a little, I wish I had it. I should probably find it. But it was an easy one, two, three, four, five step process, you know, uh, as far as how you educate. It, it did two things. Educate the installer, the new installer who knew nothing about PV, educated a homeowner to understand, oh, this is the size system that I need for my roof. And so what it did is it went through these steps to to find, you know, this is the roof size and everything else. And then I already had all the sizes configured. It was, believe it or not, it was a one through five KW system. So you have one, two, three, four, and five. And you basically, from a little map of the United States, we showed your kind of solarization zone as far as irradiance and things like that. Yeah, I was made a funny, like, make sure you know where your state is on this map, you know, so you can figure out what your zone is. Look at the chart, find your system. That's, that's the system that goes on your roof. So I made it a very simple, you know, process, right? Aside from all the financial and, and, you know, that kinds of education, that was a whole nother subject. But I tried to make it easy for someone to say, oh, I need a three, three and a half KW system because I'm in zone four. And this will get me this much KW back each month or each year. And so it was easy for installers to understand it, explain it at a kitchen table. And it, in fact, was such uh, a wild success that I remember at, at one of the first SPIs I went to, we made it into a giant poster uh, on, on the floor so that people could help understand this is how you size a Mygen's kit. Now, the other thing I did, Nico, which was um, everyone gave me a bunch of crap about, but, you know, it is what it is, right? So I'm like, you know what? You got to remember, back in the day, that's when modules were what, four to five, six dollars a watt. Oh yeah, for sure. Right? It, it was insane. So, you know, someone who was getting a, a, a let's say a, a 5KW system putting it on their house, which at that time was very large, you know, they were spending 50 to $60,000. This is before real incentives and everything else. And so I said, look, this is no different than buying a luxury vehicle, a BMW, a Mercedes, anything like that. Oh, right. This is your let's, catalog. This was my user manual. And so <laughs> I created, it was a full user manual with all of our partners because we had PV powered. Like I said, we had Unirack as our racking partner, which was, a, you know, at the time, the number one residential racking system. And I had all the drawings, the, the single line, three line drawings in there. I had all the installation manuals, I had everything to design the system, install the system. But what I did was I made it so like seamless because I took everybody's manual, made it look like one giant manual. And then I made it a very glossy, almost like tabletop book that you would put on your coffee table. And it looked like a manual you would find in the glove compartment of a Mercedes or BMW. 
And so I use that as a selling tool saying, look, when you buy the system, you get this really handy dandy manual as opposed to some couple pieces of paper stapled, you know, on a corner and say, yeah, here's your manual. I try to kind of glamorize it a little bit and, and do a little bit of like, Ooh, ah, you know, type of effect. And so from that, that helped, I mean, people were like asking me to like sell them the book, you know, cause they wanted to like have it for themselves. Even, even some people were asking me an autograph. I'm like, I didn't write it you know That's but awesome. okay I'll, I'll, I'll sign it <laughs> but uh, it was it was fascinating but that helped me get my uh, essentially carve my initials in the tree as far as kits because at the time Sunwise was the number one with kits and we got up and, and again Rob's moon mission was I need a, a my gen kit fine after like 9 to 12 months I was able to deliver this and then we started selling you know 10 systems a month 20, 50, you know, I started going out after that and became, it was good margin too, because I was stacking like 20, 30 points on it. So were you responsible for that as a business unit or? Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, in a way, I mean, I had, um, I, I reported to um, Michael Ludgate at the time, he was head of marketing. I, and so I was product marketing manager for Kiyosera. And so I, it was kind of like my baby, I guess, you know, I would go on all the, all the travel, the shows, the trainings and things like that. The other person that helped you know, invent my gen at the time. His name was David Falk. He was an uh, engineer. He was with TV after Kiosera. I'm not sure where he's at now, but he's still in the industry. But he's the one that helped me with all the engineering design, right? And make it easy to understand for customers. And he would come out with me and travel and everything else. Funny thing about David is he's uh, a 6'8". So we always had a, <laughs> a little trouble finding a rental car that would fit, you know, both of us, you know, in there. So, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. But it was, uh, he was good. He was good uh, engineer and that. And, and, and between he and I were the ones that actually created it. So it was, uh, it was fun. It was, it was a fun um, experience and everything. And it actually helped prop Kiosera up at times because we were, you know, with Kiosera, it was, it was a, it was a high price module. It was, it was, it was like what you would have with LG today. You know, it's like a little bit higher efficiency. You pay a little more for it, but it's not for everyone you know? And so that's where the dance began. A lot of people paid for exactly that customer experience that you helped create. One of the, th the things that I remember uh, that was really fun, uh, you came up with a lot of slogans and some of those slogans made it onto stickers. Um, I remember chatting with some of your colleagues about uh, that. I didn't even realize that those sort of those ideas came from you. You just have, you have this penchant for, for fun, right? And infusing fun into the process. And you want to make people laugh, but also appreciate what they're getting. Yeah, that's a little bit part of my sarcastic sense of humor, a very dry sense of humor, by the way. But that was uh, a trade show where we, um, SPI, we were the, um, it was it was pretty new. It, Prius was a brand new type of product, you know, from Toyota. Everyone wanted a Prius because of what it was. And Kia Sierra was the, 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 the solar glass part of the roof of the Prius. And so we actually put a Prius in our booth with a big giant arrow you can imagine the arrow was just as big as the car pointing down to like a little eb circled you know logo on the glass that said kia Sera. so everyone was you know think we're giving a car away it was pointing down to basically this logo but we had these little buttons that we did we were handing them out and and it was actually michael ludgate's idea to do the buttons but then like anything else in marketing you go and have what's called a brainstorming meeting and in the brainstorming meeting usually involves a little mass amount of alcohol from that i can come up with some really outstanding ideas so we had like you know at the time i remember one of the one of the sayings was um you know because there was there was a problem with junction boxes with modules in the industry getting a little bit overheated and and things like that and so no one knew if someone's you know jbox was was actually you know a good jbox to have so we'd have one that said do you have a, you know, hot J box, you know, and if people would take it, like, what do you mean? And it's like, yeah. well, no, I'm asking if you, you know, if they, you're the company you're buying your modules from has any, you know, problems with their J box, you know? So there's a, a few risque type of, um, you know, you know, little buttons that we Check passed out. Box, that. Yeah. 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 You know, it's <laughs> like, so I, I try to inject a little bit of humor into the, the industry at that time, because it's like, it was very, you know, kind of, you know, square and staunch and, you yeah. know, and, and it's like, you know, you can only make fun of electricity so much, you know, it's, it's <laughs> like, so I, I try to make a, a few different uh, slogans there to, you know, um, just 
just have some fun, like, um, yeah, you know, with modules and, and with, and, and honestly, when you launch a new product, you kind of want to grab a little bit of attention, you know, in a positive way, you know, and sometimes you do these things in marketing to help, you know, position or highlight or showcase, you know, an actual product. And so, yeah, these were kind of some of the fun things. We had we bowling. I remember one time at SPI, you know, where you, I thought you said weed. No, no, oh, weed. No, that, that was, that was a different deal. It was a different solar, <laughs> different solar. solar experience. Yeah, yeah, way back when. Yeah, that was up in. Uh, uh, yeah, Humble, we'll talk about yeah. that <laughs> in a different way. Uh, but uh, no, the, it, you remember the Nintendo Wii? And of so course, we, yeah. We, we had it had just come out. We we put it in our booth, and so another way to get you know lead generation collect people's names contact information this is before scanners you know yeah. before you go and scan mm-hmm. their batch you you would you'd say yeah you know what give me your business card and you get to uh, roll us you know and if you get a strike you get put in this other bin and we are doing a drawing for a gift card or something like that right that's so genius right it's sticky it's something that people are curious about yeah you know and because people are like wow let me because you know you do, you do fun things like that people will come to your booth they want see what's going on and then you get to talk to them you have a conversation and you say hey where you're from and stuff and then you can lead that conversation to the correct salesperson the correct executive so they can further the conversation and i want to i want to just pause here for a second because if you've been paying attention for the last 15 minutes you've heard a bunch okay so you referred to the you know the boy bands of the of the 2000s right a lot of what you're referring to falls in the category for me of what's old is new again like have you noticed Women are wearing high-waist pants. Even parachute pants are coming back into style. Boy bands have never gone out of style, let's be honest. And, you know, essentially what's old is new again. So if if you are working on new product introduction, if you're working on branding, a lot of the ideas that Ryan and I have worked on in various manufacturing capacities over the last 15 years are super applicable today because precisely because people have forgotten about them. Right. And they're That's now right. novel, just as novel as a postcard is to your front door to sell you solar where it wasn't 15 years ago. That was the common thing and it would get tossed in the trash. Now a postcard actually gets looked at. You also have a new generation, new blood of people coming into our industry that are from the semiconductor industry, from, you know, healthcare, from all oh, other different oil and gas. You know, it, then it's like another re-education for them to say, yeah, you know, these are the things that worked, you know, and, and it, it's helped us as an industry grow, you know, into CNI and utility as well, because some of the tactics we use as far as the grassroots for residential uh, and off-grid selling are, are what's used today a lot. You know, now it's now it's gotten so into the technical and the economics, LCOEs, you know, like all the, all that. Certainly you know, at the it, utility scale side. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it, it's gotten, it's gotten more complicated, you know, but it's, it can be, it could still be fun. Well, on the marketing side, just sort of put a pin in that. I'm curious because you've spent, a lot of your time on the manufacturing side of the business. So much of this conversation will will really resonate with those who have hardware and have a product type of business, or if you're an installer thinking about how to be creative. If we kind of look at what's working now and what worked then, are there things that used to work that really don't work now? And conversely, are the things that people are doing now that haven't yet caught on? Depending on the segment and everything, I mean, it's 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 all about positioning and selling. I mean, back in the day, there's only so many that were qualified to be a manufacturer. So I've always worked for a manufacturer, both in modules and inverters. And so, you know, back in the day, it was it was about trying to prove out basic things like I have UL listing. I have <laughs> yeah. been qualified through, you know, uh, through the, you know, through Bloomberg or, you know, I, I was able to go to a trade show for the first time or, you know, I have three references, you know, it was very simple back then, you know, nowadays, yeah, everyone's kind of, you know, checked all those boxes. And, and so it, it, it has what it's become in my opinion is an industry of, uh, really trying to narrow down to a very high level technical function, you know, and, and it, it gets into, 
even, you know, for inverter, you know, levels of curtailment or for a module, you know, how much hail damage can you withstand or, you know, what, you know, what kinds of temperatures can you exceed? And, you know, it's almost, uh, you know, getting to a point of a burnout, you know, yeah. of, of trying to find, you know, the product that can withstand the, the greatest amount of pressures. Well, I wonder what we might be able to think about because neither you nor I are working hand to hand directly in energy storage, although Trina has energy storage as a category. I imagine that you touch on it in some ways. How could folks who are currently trying to think about both hardware and software for energy storage as a category that very much complements solar right now be thinking about marketing? What are you seeing that's working around energy storage or, or what's the market asking for that we still aren't servicing as a, as a marketing need? You know, if it was me, let's say it was me back 15 years ago, I was just getting into Kyocera and, and, and all of a sudden storage became the, the number one thing, right, that people were talking about. The way I would position it today, at least residentially, is is looking at you know, and really focusing on the problems that exist with the grid, you know, be it blackouts, brownouts, whatever it might be, the weather, the different types of things that that cause systems to go down. I think there's companies today that are doing a great job. I look at a, a company like Generac, right, mm -hmm. that makes generators yeah, that try to tie into the Pica system, storage. right? Yeah, and, and it's like a storage and things like that. But they are really positioning it for the consumer to say, do you really want to go through another hurricane? season? Do you really want to go through another fire season without getting this? And I think part of what I did as a marketeer back in the day was positioning the points of pain for a consumer is, do you want to endure this pain again? And that's what I would do at this point to try to position storage as a way to complement, you know, the, the solar today. The other thing too is, is getting it, you know, consumers, because consumers have become very, very smart in the last 10 years as far as under, understanding solar and that, but they sometimes don't understand the incentives or, or, or what's out there is, is doing a better job, you know, explaining to consumers how the incentives work for storage or for a system and things like that in their area so that they can make a better informed decision. You know, there's a lot of things going on from a policy standpoint today that are changing. You know, things might even change next next week for all, all intents and purposes. But there's a lot of things happening that would affect someone's decision. Should I put solar in this year or next year? You know, when is this new policy coming online? And I think if there was a better educational process through marketing uh, coupled with the storage solution and what it means to someone's utility bill and that I think, you know, storage could, could start coming online. Storage today is what, what, systems and kits were, you know, 15, 20 years ago, it's a very expensive proposition. It's as much uh, as the solar electric system, but you know, someone's really got to see the the real need for it. I think in the next 10, 15 years, yes, it'll get down to a level where it's it's more, you know, effective as far as price. But also, I think if we can get into a more of a storefront, a retail kind of big box deal where it's like a plug-in type of system, you know, uh, and I say that in jest, you know, almost like an appliance, I think there'll be a more of an adoption rate of, of storage in that way. But yeah, I, I think there's, there's things that we've done in the past to position you know, solar today for consumers that we could do the same thing in storage, you know, to help them understand and, and actually gravitate to it. You know, progress and change are not achieved by standing still. We must challenge the status quo and do things differently. There are moments in time that change the course of our history. And for us, that time has come a moment to act now for a brighter solar future. In a global scenario where the demand for renewable energy is constantly growing, solar has the power to shape new and powerful energy models to drive progress and prosperity for a sustainable world. At Suncast, we stand with FEMER, and together we can shape the future of solar. Learn more about how FEMER is changing the future of solar at solar.femer.com. That's solar.femer.com. I've been wondering, what's your least favorite solar asset management activity? You know, those daily, weekly, sometimes monthly deliverables that you just have to check off the list, but can be such a drag 
Well, let me tell you how to press the easy button and get going on the work that really matters by automating your invoicing and ticketing and reporting with PowerHub. Focus on the work that you want to do. Take the boring stuff off your plate with PowerHub. You can go to powerhub.com forward slash suncast to learn more. One of the things that I get asked a lot is how do roles get defined? Uh, you know, I speak with someone as a chief revenue officer. What does that actually mean? Someone who's a field marketing manager, which you and I both have been. In your current role, you're head of product management. A lot of hardware marketers are in these product roles. Can you help for those who are unfamiliar with it, what product management means? Can you sort of dis- disambiguate that term? And what does your job entail? Yeah. So, I mean, product management is, is defined, you know, obviously in, in being the ownership of a product from, from, you know, inception development stage through introduction and launch to its maturity and then into its sunset mode, as far as, you know, um, shutting it down, bringing on a new product. There's, you know, a whole host of things that are happening there on the product development side. You're getting voice of customer. You're looking at market analysis. You're looking at what the, the trends are from a policy standpoint, from a, a technology standpoint, what, you know, and you're trying to create a product that can be introduced and have a lifespan of, you know, in our, in our industry, maybe two to five years depending mm, on the wow. product, right? Because it, technology moves very quickly and, and the advances are very quick. Then there's a side to that called product marketing, right? And this is more of the positioning, uh, you know, your four P's of marketing. You have placement, promotion, price, and 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 that. So you're trying to promote. Let's get all four of them. I, I always forget it too. It's placement, promotion, price, and product, right? Yes. So, you know, you're really using those four P's, you know, and it's more in the positioning side of things, you know, for, for that more the, the language behind the, the marketing, you know, it, it, it does X for, you know, why long it, it has metrics associated to it. It has, you know, real life data that means something to a decision maker, be it an engineer, be it a procurement manager, be a, you know, a project manager, whatever it might be. Right. And so you have to kind of be able to balance both of those things. Right. As far as in product management, then you get into the marketing side, right? This is more of the, you know, the messaging overall. You're looking at a at a holistic messaging. You know, this is getting down into social media and lead generation and nurturing and and you know, it's a part of the positioning of the product marketing. But you're really trying to maybe use certain tactics to do pull marketing to bring in people to see that product, to learn about it, right? And get educated about it. So this is where white papers come in and blogs and all sorts of educational tools at this point, right? And and all of those tools become lead scoring mechanisms in some level, right? Through something I imagine like Pardot or Marketo. That's right. Right. And then those are two tools that we use today to help in, in, in gathering the information and, and really kind of ranking the leads that come in and being able to distribute them and, and figure out which ones make the most sense to go and spend the money for and, and try to, you know, bring them into the, into the host of the, of the family and everything, you know, of, of the products Here's- and things. Here's something that a lot of folks who maybe are on the on the ground game uh, trying to sell to homeowners that don't really uh, understand the leads, the, the lead times. What's a typical nurture cycle for a lead that comes in to Trina? When you've when you've got that lead, what are you held accountable to for showing an ROI over what period of time? It depends on the segment, you know, and that. So, I mean, you know, if you're looking at like we have utility solutions, you know, called Trina Pro, where we're putting together a racking uh, or tracker, I'm sorry, tracker system that we own and our bifacial modules, you know, that lead might come in like, let's say today, but then there's a nurturing period of trying to get them to understand certain aspects from the technical side. Right. And that could last about three months and then the lead itself to be turned into a sale could be well over a year because of just projects you know timelines and things like that yeah so 15 15 to 18 months is a typical turnaround from lead to contract I would say so on, 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 in that in that segment, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. But you get a lead from a homeowner. You get those from times. I mean, yeah. we get them from Facebook and Twitter and things like that. Yes, I'm interested in your product. And that. That's a pretty easy one. That can be converted within a month. Yeah, you now when you'll kick down to one of your partners. And that's, yeah. Yeah. as that, a manufacturer, that was, that's... Yeah, that's a pretty easy one. What products have you led to market at Trina? 
you know, the last three years of, of, of our modules I've, I've helped launch, you know, um, it, right now we're in the uh, precipitous of actually launching our new 19 and 20 series modules, which is our, oh, 520 to 600 watt modules. So now modules are starting to get into that range of uh, wattage. You know, just when I first started with Trina, we were just getting into 350, 375 watts, you know, for utility. Now we're- And for context, when I started at Trina, we were at 250. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so this is where I go back to saying technology is advancing so quickly, right? And so we have to keep up with the the times and that. And so, yeah, uh, we are, you know, in the next few months going to, for our region, from a global standpoint, we've already launched it, but for the North America region, we'll be launching our 550 and 600 watt modules, you know, for utility and CNI space. Yeah, so there's 72 so, cell panels. Those are those what we used to call 72 cell. Yeah, uh, yeah. Now are they, they are, are they half cell now and. Well, they're they're 210 millimeter cell now, so they've gotten much bigger, and they are half cut, uh, and they come in 55 or 60 pieces essentially, right? So it's you multiply it out, and and that's how many are in there. But it's a little bit larger footprint, and and that. So yeah, the world of modules just evolve is constantly evolving in ways that uh, it makes it difficult for the installers even to keep up and track. How as a product manager are you? engaging with that audience to make sure that you're not over-innovating and that you're not bringing things to market that actually complicate their lives? It's it's an awesome question, Nico. It it really is based upon my experience, you know, going back to Kyocera and to Power One ABB, this is where, you know, the difference makes, you know, in, in experience because I right away had our team jump on talking to all the top inverter partners and all the top uh, tracker partners so that when we're going through the design elements, we are looking at from a mechanical and electrical characteristics, make sure we weren't making something that an inverter couldn't handle yeah. and that a, a, a tracker couldn't handle. And surely enough, yeah, you, you, you come into these little road bumps in that. But when you you create one of the things I, I love doing and in in it speaks volumes of what I did with my gen is create the business partnership relationship with, yeah. with you know the, the, the cross the segments of, of, of yeah. So I, I always try to, you know, make you know, great relationships with with all the inverter and racking uh, tracker companies because we're all kind of in together. And if I can have these relationships, where we're working on co-development and roadmaps together. Then we can launch things that make sense where we said, yep, we've checked this box with these partners and they're on a so-called AVL, right? Uh, yeah, approved vendor list for those who are unfamiliar with the jargon. And also they can pull you into deals and vice versa. I used to, I got laughed at, I remember very clearly in a sales meeting, where part of my presentation was the Nico system, right? Because it runs an <laughs> ecosystem. Yeah. But it was all the industry partners that I was working with that were bringing me into deals. And there were, there were numerous ones, right? What I hear you talking about as well is something I've seen on the inverter side. SunGrow do really well with their partnership. For example, with Swinerton, they have gotten a number of their products have come to market because of a titan like Swinerton saying, this is what we need in the market, right? Does that happen as much on the manufacturing side for modules? Not, not typically, although one of the things that we do do is we have sync meetings. It depends on who it is. It could be SolarEdge, SunGrow, you know, whoever are the leaders. I will have quarterly or monthly meetings with them just to kind of share roadmaps and our discussions so that when they are going to uh, designing and that they're 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 hitting the right marks with, with the technology and that. So it's, it's um, typically no, unless it's something that's revolutionary. Like right now there is a big push for very large wattage modules right now. The most of the industry now has launched their, at least their 500 watt and upwards modules coming here in the next year. And so that, you know, that's not as business as normal in my opinion, because it's, it's definitely changed the dynamics of a lot of different things you know and and one of the things too is is it's changing the the way installers will have to do things too and 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 that messaging i believe we really need as a as an industry need to approach all the key installers the epcs the developers and that hey you know what we're we're, we're raising the bar we're, we're changing the format you're, you're now going to need two people as opposed to one in this area or, or you know whatever do you know, what this, do you know what this reminds me of 
because this has happened before in the industry. Dan Sugar, back in his Powerlight days, was working mm-hmm. really close with SunTech. And they came with that, do you remember that Gemini product that SunTech oh, yeah. came out with? Yep. And it was like, this thing is huge. And it's yep. like this beefy rail, but it allowed the installation to be on a single monoline, right? One panel that was its own brace, right? That was revolutionary in the industry. And I see that we're, we're coming around to that sort of innovation again, right? It's been... 12, 13 years since that product got introduced. Nobody even remembers the SunTech Gemini product outside of the old folks like you and I. Candidly, I think it's a great time right now to be the Ryan Simpson of 2006. You're coming from a company that marketed to McDonald's, but you just know that your job is, is kind of, it's, it's I'm not going to say meaningless, but it's not really contributing to a legacy for our children. And you want to get into clean energy. What advice might you have for someone who is a technical marketer in a CPG company or is maybe a a sales biz dev or marketing person in oil and gas or high tech that is looking at our industry? What advice might you give them about how they can make that transition? You know, just like you said, the jargon and and the education, understand the, you know, the the different specifics of, of, of our terminology. I think that was the biggest hurdle I had was understanding terminology is understanding each simple electricity uh, types of, of names and functions and things like that. That's part of it. And then also, you know, honestly networking, you know, network as with as many people that are knowledgeable about the industry so that you can learn on it. If I was coming from oil and gas and I knew nothing about the PV industry, I would try to make friends, you know, or enemies or whoever, right? To just try to find people that would be willing to spend 15, 20, 30 minutes with me and, and hey, tell me about the history of the industry or tell me about this product. Why is this product better than this? Or, or what's the history here? You know, like I look at, and, and not to like, you know, make you know, reference to it, but I look at, you know, where, you know, Tesla today is trying to come out with their shingle program, right? Which is called BIPV for all those back in the day called built-in full voltaics, right? That was a popular product that came out when I first started, you know, BP Solar, Sharp, Mitsubishi, Kyocera had all that, right? Why did it not work? Because there's no airflow in the rafters of the roofing. And so therefore it heated up and died. And I think about like, okay, someone came up with that idea, like, let's do that. Let's launch that. And I don't think they ever talked to the historians of our industry and said, yeah, you know what? That's not going to be a good thing. And these are the reasons why. And I'm sure they haven't solved that problem, right? I use a real life example like that. Like if you really are coming into this industry, not in a pompous, arrogant way, but talk to someone like who knows who's been there, done that and learned from their mistakes. I've made so many mistakes in the industry, but from that, I've been able to really kind of understand how to make things better uh, for, for not only companies, but for consumers. And, and honestly, I would just, you know, I go on to, you know, LinkedIn or whoever, you know, go to the trade shows, meet people, talk to people and really kind of make friends so that you can understand how it all came about, you know, because it's it is someone who comes from oil, gas, or another industry going to have incredible ideas too, and they're going to be like, "Wow, I did this here. Let me see how I can adopt that into this industry and make it make sense." A lot of the Semicon guys came into the industry with their ideas, and it helped revolutionize a lot of companies. And so, you know, I think that would be my advice: is a look at the educational part of understanding the terminology and be making friends and learning from them. And, you know, almost like a semi mentorship. I did that with a few, few people that worked for me at other companies. I did it more of a mentorship so they could become, you know, who they want to be, you know, in the industry. Yeah. That idea of mentorship, uh, you know, it's something that we've been thinking a lot about here at Suncast and how can we, you know, of course we are connected with a lot of folks in the industry. And I hear this time and time again from leaders is this, um, this lack of mentorship. Uh, so, uh, I'll pick your brain a little more on how we can better support those that want to get in the industry with, with solid mentorship. And I may, uh, I may call you on, uh, on, being one of those mentors to our to our tribe as we round third base here i've got a couple more questions for you before uh, we let everyone off the hook here ryan is there one or two books that for you have made a lasting impact on the way you think about life or, or business and consequently you probably recommend or gift them a ton 
the one that means the most to me from a marketing standpoint. You you don't typically read this unless you take classes in in in, in these types of things. is is called the art of war. And um, what it teaches you in that book uh, is, you know, you 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 always have a bigger enemy than yourself. You know, the enemy is always going to be stronger, have more armies, more everything than you. But you attack where your army isn't, or where the I'm sorry, where the enemy is isn't, and you start chipping away at that. And so, you know, it, it's always been my approach when I look at positioning products and and launching products because there's always going to be someone bigger and stronger than you. But you can then grow your your brand, your products, your your company to be that that big if you start attacking where they where they're not positioning their products, where they're not marketing their products and, and growing that, you know, from from up, you know, that point. So that that's one of my my books that I it lends itself to me as far as my my philosophical thinking, right, in marketing. Other than a, a, a bartender's guide, you know, of drinks, um, the only other book uh, I would suggest is is really honestly, um, you know, if you're looking at how to, like, I have to manage people. I have a great team in that. And there's a lot of people that come in and they don't necessarily know how to empower their team to be the best they can be. And so I, I have a couple books that they're written by some of my professors from the past and that, and what, it, what they talk about is postmodern management and is basically allowing you to empower your team to make the decisions. You're there to support them. But what it does is you, if you, if you look at a pyramid and you flip it, you know, the, the people in the top are, are you know, the, the sea levels and everything else. But if you flip the pyramid upside down, it should be the, you know, those people are supporting every level going up. And so I always, you know, my, anyone that works for me, I give them the opportunity to, to run their own ship, so to speak. I want you to make the decisions. I'll be there to support you. If you make a mistake, I'm there to back you up and we'll learn from it together. Right. And I think, if you give people more autonomy and the ability to actually, you know, do their job as opposed to micromanaging, you'll get more out of them. And so that's my management leadership style. It's not always for everyone, you know, because there's insecurities in place or whatever, but that's how I manage. And I, I would, you know, tell you that you'll get more from, from, you know, from people doing it that way than any other way, in my opinion. So those, those are my, I guess my, my words of wisdom from, from Ryan Simpson. Ryan, let's wrap this with our bold prediction as we always do. What one thing do you see happen in the market that perhaps nobody else is tracking? What's in your crystal ball? Let's look out to 2021. What do you see happening? I see a huge potential tariff coming our way from Vietnam called Section 301. And it will be the second wave of the ADCVD tariffs coming. So everyone moved their manufacturing, for those who aren't familiar, many moved their manufacturing to Vietnam and other Southeast Asian locations away from China to avoid the China tariff. Uh, and what you're predicting is that that's going to become, it's going to wrap in more Southeast Asian countries and Vietnam in particular. Yeah, there's there's already a, a beginning to this where they're looking at, and it's not just for solar, it's for all in, industries that create anything, manufacture anything from Vietnam and send them over to the uh, United States. It has a lot to do with their timber industry and mm. the devaluation of their currency. And so it's it's starting in the process right now to being investigated by the USTR, mm. uh, which is the United States Trade Representative. And I predict that we will have maybe not by 2021, but very soon after, you know, that will be another major tariff that will hit us. And that will separate the, you know, the quote unquote men from the boys as Mm -hmm. far as companies coming forward. There'll be another kind of pullback and consolidation coming in the industry, in my opinion, for all manufacturers. I don't mean to be doom and gloom, but I'm just like calling it as it is, you know. Fantastic insight, Ryan. Someone who is certainly sitting in the in the halls where these discussions are happening. It's great to hear that from you. It sounds like this huge looming tariff on addition to the 301 for Vietnam made products is going to precipitate a massive consolidation in the industry, which there's our, there are pluses and minuses. Perhaps we'll talk about those on another episode of Suncast. We've been chatting today with Ryan Simpson, head of product management and marketing at Trina Solar North America. Ryan, thanks for being here with us today. Thanks, Nico. I really appreciate it. It was a fun time. All right, Solar Warrior. Well, as we wrap up 
2020. I just want to say again, thank you for being here. And thank you, Ryan, for sharing your story here with the Suncast Tribe. And I'm inspired by your fantastic stories and insights as well, my friend. You know, it's a great way to round out what has been an all-star roster of guests here on Suncast in 2020. Hey, if you're fascinated by Ryan's stories and you want to dig more, you can find the resources and highlights from this discussion, along with the social media links, book recommendations, and more from this and every other conversation on Suncast at mysuncast.com. Hey, since you're already going to be online, would you mind sharing this episode as well with someone over on LinkedIn? That's my social network of choice and preference. Yes, I'm on Twitter as well. And you can find our social links at mysuncast.com. It's just a real treat when Ryan and I can learn how this episode resonates with you. And I'd like to hear that over on LinkedIn. Did anything spark an idea for you? any particular marketing tactic you're going to employ? Who do you think needs to hear this story today? We'll, of course, still have a Thursday episode coming up. Yes, even on New Year's Eve. And this final episode of the year is digging into the currently released and open RFP for 900 megawatts of solar and 50 megawatt hours of energy storage recently issued by CPS Energy down in San Antonio, Texas. I have the RFP sponsor and program directors on the show asking all the insightful questions that you'd want to know about this RFP with some cameos from their C-suite at CPS. So you don't want to miss that conversation on Thursday. Thanks once again to our sponsors for helping make this content free to you. You can learn more about them at mysuncast.com forward slash sponsor. That's also where you can learn how you can partner with us to reach thousands of solar warriors and clean tech champions twice a week. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks yet again for showing up, Solo Warrior. It's half the battle.